And welcome back to the latest edition of Let's Do It Live. I'm one of your co-hosts, the People's Commission, and I'm joined by soon-to-be father, the Pizza Baron. Pizza Baron checking in. My wife and I went to our 40-week appointment today, and we got the good news that they're going to go ahead and induce her tomorrow at 7 p.m. So this is my last night as a free man, and I chose to spend it uh, podcasting with the People's Commission. So glad you guys could join us. Couldn't be more honored to spend your last night sun-free, you know, together. This is just a momentous occasion for our friendship, and I'm going to tell your son this every year on his birthday that he, his father chose to podcast rather than spend time with his mother, you know, the night before he was born. So. Oh, she doesn't need me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, it's been quite, quite the panda watch. Like that scene in Anchorman where they're just waiting for that big story, that panda to be born at the, at the zoo. I think Ling Wong is about to give birth. Yep. Panda Watch, day five. Um, Brian Fantana really goes after Ling Wong, calling her a panda jerk. So, you know. Yep, I'm, I'm you, Fantana. You are Brian Fantana. Does that make me uh, Brick? Brick yeah, Tamlin? You're, you're Brick Tamlin, yep. Yeah, awesome. You think, you think that storks deliver babies still, so. Yep. And I put mayonnaise in a toaster during my bio in Anchorman 1 underrated move you you stabbed a guy with the trident yeah i laid low for a while after that um per a good idea per ron's recommendation anyways we got a good show for you guys tonight we're gonna talk college football again we have a special guest mikey the bookie Kleeman. uh we'll be going through who who his picks are for this weekend and trying out a new segment where he gives us the lines for the weekend and the pizza Baron and I go head to head trying to guess what actually will, um, you know, come about. And we haven't decided upon the punishment for the loser yet. So Daniel from Topeka, Kansas, if you have any recommendations for the loser at the end of the college football season in terms of picking teams based on lines, let us know. Um, you know, we've already sang on the podcast. I'd be willing to sing again. I don't have much confidence in my betting game, but maybe like a cinnamon challenge, throwback to 2011. Maybe ice bucket challenge. Ice bucket challenge. That that yeah. still plays, right? Yeah. M- Mikey's much more of an expert than we are when it comes to college football and betting in general. Um, he's won three of our pools now, or is it two? Two of our pools. The, he won the U.S. Open last year and the PGA this year, both betting heavy on Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. He, so he's, he's untouchable. Yeah. Brooks is – I don't know. He's been an absolute show pony for Mikey, and he continues to ride the hot streak. So hopefully he can continue showing up in future major championships or else Mikey will go broke as he's betting the house on Brooks going forward. Right. Mikey also has a pretty good 50-50 story from uh, last year at the Las Vegas Golden Knights game, but we'll, we'll let him tell that story when he gets on the air. Absolutely. Welcome in. Uh, a new addition to the Let's Do It Live team, our resident college football and betting expert, and it's Sir Michael Kleeman. Mikey, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, boys. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, and I'm uh, looking forward to the uh, inaugural edition of uh, Coach, Kevin, Coach Couch's Corner. Love it. Like Don Cherry, but better. Yeah, exactly. Cut that part, too. 
You're What's like up? our uh, you're like our Tony Reale, right? Because we yeah, know so exactly. much about college football. Yeah, I mean, at least so we can pretend like it, but I think we should be okay. Okay. All right. So how this is going to work is Mikey's going to go through some of the key matchups for this weekend in college football, along with the lines for the games, and then the Pizza Baron and I are going to utilize our best college football expertise in guessing who's going to win. We're going to track it and the loser will have to do some sort of punishment at the end of the season. We're going against the spread, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Mikey, what's the first the, game you got it? The got first one is the hottest team in Florida coached by Lane Kiffin, the Florida Atlantic Owls against uh, Baker – uh, Baker me failed less Oklahoma. It is in Norman, Oklahoma, and the line is Oklahoma minus 21. Do you want to start us off, Baron? Uh, Hammer, Oklahoma minus 21. Lane Kiffin's a joke. I don't, I don't know much about Oklahoma. Baker, fa- <laughs> Baker Mayfield less, but uh, I don't see Florida Atlantic doing much. I, I hate Lane Kiffin. Can't, can't take the guy. You know what? I'm going to just – so, you know, there's some controversy – in our bet, I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic. Uh, a lot of the last chance you players have made their way from um, Scuba, Mississippi, down to Lane Kiffin's arena in Florida. And I think that they're able to cover the spread. I, I don't think they win the game by any means in Norman, but I think that they lose by less than 21. What does the expert say? I actually like Andrew's pick here because uh, Lane Kiffin is on record that he knows what the spread is. That doesn't alter his decisions according to him, but he's aware of it at least. And I see them being uh, big dogs trailing in the fourth quarter and on a fourth down instead of kicking the field goal to go down 24, 25, they will uh, score a touchdown and lose by 20. Lane Kiffin, big gambling man. Riverboat Lane, I think, is what they call him. <laughs> I thought they just called him uh, Saban's son-in-law or future son-in-law. But it's like that was that. Uh, I think it was USA Today or CBS Sports. One of the two. They had all the anonymous um, uh, coaches' takes on other coaches, and someone came in and said that Nick Saban was the most overrated coach in college. Um, well, I think Lane should just put his name to it instead of going anonymous. Well, it obviously was him. He looked like a dork with his white um, zip up on the cor- on the sideline for Alabama for a year, just getting yelled at by Saban. I think you just like Lane Kiffin because he's a big visor guy. I was oh. gonna, I was just going to say that he's got a he's got a nice head well, of lettuce. It goes. I mean, well got to give the, the guy uh, credit. The Hawaiian short sleeve sh- button up shirts. Hey. If there is a tour visor company out there listening in Topeka, Kansas, and they want to sponsor the Let's Do It Live podcast by sending tour visors to us, we would happily oblige. You know, and they should all thank Doug Peterson because he's like the first guy that was swag and wears a visor that actually won anything. So, I mean, before it was like Lane Kiffin at Tennessee fired. Um, well, think back to Steve Spurrier. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ball coach wore a visor for 30 years. Yeah, but 
I mean, he was also a Heisman winner. The Heisman trumps a visor. I mean, Bob Stoops had a good run, but there needed a new visor, uh, a new spokesperson. So is Lane Kiffin the guy? He's the visor guy? In college, he's a visor guy. I think Doug Peterson is the visor guy. Like He's like varsity, and Lane Kiffin's like JV. Yeah, well, you need guys for different, you know, different levels, different sports. Fair point. Fair point. All right, let's move on to the next game. What do you got for us, Mikey? Another, well, I guess not another, but a ranked matchup, ironically, against the sixth-ranked and ninth-ranked teams. Nice. Um, The sixth-ranked Washington Huskies will travel south and play the number nine Auburn Tigers in Atlanta at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the number there is Auburn giving the field goal. All right. Um, <laughs> I got. I'll take. I'll go ahead and start us off. I got Auburn in this game. Um, they they have a really tough schedule. I think they have what they're playing seven teams in the top twenty-five. So they know they got to make an impact. They they can't lose to a Pac-12 team to start the season out. Uh, they got the returning quarterback through. For over 3,000 yards last year. Uh, I, I like Auburn in this game. All right. Um, I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies on the road. Uh, seen a lot of buildup for this team that has kind of flirted with being a perennial college football player playoff, like, invitee. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on their quarterback who's – kind of underperformed since Josh Ross went to the NFL and is playing for the Bengals. So I think they have a lot to prove and it being a neutral site, I think that kind of benefits them. So I'm going Washington Huskies. What is the expert like? Andrew, I disagree this time. And you say it is a neutral site game. Um, Auburn is roughly about, an hour and a half away from Atlanta. Um, it's their third straight game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, including the SEC Championship game and the Peach Bowl. So familiarity is going to be huge. They will outnumber them uh, fans-wise, and I think they're the better team. I've not really been a big Chris Peterson fan at Washington. Um, I know he was great at Boise, but uh, – Auburn has probably the best um, best run game historically. I believe they have nine straight seasons with a thousand or nine straight seasons with at least one thousand yard rusher. Um, a game that's almost a home game with the home crowd uh, and probably the better roster. Uh, I'll take that all day. Fair enough. Let's move on to the next one. Speaking of the man we mentioned earlier, uh, the defending national champions, Alabama Crimson Tide, will take on uh, Bobby Petrino in his motorcycle with the Louisville Cardinals. (laughs) (laughs) The current line is Alabama minus 25 and a half, almost four touchdowns. I'll lead this off. Okay. Alabama. I think with Tua, Tua, Sopo or however you say his last name, 
The ex-Tigers uh, player, yeah. Yeah, Tuiasa. So, I, I said that, and then I remembered he was a failed right fielder for the Detroit Tigers. Regardless, Tua starts in the um, in the opener for the Crimson Tide, kind of riding the high from the national championship. That team just they, – they are just an absolute unit of a team, and they are going to run through – Louisville, Bobby Petrino, and a Lamar Jackson-less Louisville Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and oppose you once again. Mm. I think 25 and a half is a lot of points. There's some controversy in Alabama. But there's, we don't even know if Tua is going to start. Jalen Hurts still has an opportunity to start. I know that he underperformed and got pulled in the national championship. I just I don't see Alabama as a team that blows out teams in games where they're expected to blow people out. I think they blow out like serious com- competitors, but I just I, I see them like kind of winning by like two touchdowns against Louisville, make, making it a little interesting, but not interesting enough. I don't see them stepping on their throats by any means, and I I think both quarterbacks could get some play in this game. So that's just my gut feeling. Go ahead and dissect that, uh, expert. Uh, I, you know what this, the number, the number shocked me. The uh, the first time I saw it, I think when the lines came out in like May or June, and that was for like didn't really match. Um, it looked like now, it's crazy that guy's getting so much pub for uh, never uh, for playing one quarter, right, one half in overtime of football. Um, I. The quarterback here matters. Uh, like Andrew said, Alabama is a unit. Um, they normally come out very well the first game of the year. Uh, I believe they've won by double digits the last uh, five years or five or six years. Yeah, six years at least with the closest game being 10 points, and that was against a uh, a ranked team. And I think it'll be, it'll be slow early. Um you know, and I do think they'll play both quarterbacks, but uh, I think they will be up by at least three touchdowns in the third quarter, and their third string is better than Louisville's first string. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with Bama here as well. So that was Saturday. Well, we'll get back to one more Saturday game, but moving on on the holiday weekend, it is. In Arlington, Texas, which I don't really get because neither school is located in the state of Texas, but the number eight Miami Hurricanes against the number 25 at Ogeron LSU Tigers, Miami is giving three and a half points. Andrew, start us off. I love the turnover chain, but I'm a bigger Coach O fan, and I'm going Coach O and the and the LSU Tigers. Uh, I, ha- I have I I really have like nothing on the two teams <laughs> that would benefit this conversation, so I'm just picking with my heart on this one, Coach okay. O. I also have minimal knowledge, um, so I'm I'm going turnover chain just to oppose you. Uh, I think. I think Miami, did they start 8-0 last year? They got to, what, number three in the nation before they uh, lost what, their last three games of the year? Yep, they lost to Wisconsin just 
was a straight. They started off ten and zero. Yep, and then lost at Pitt, where dreams go to die. Um, they lost. They got rolled by Clemson the last week of the regular season um, to be ten and two, and then Wisconsin just ran the ball all over them in the Capital One Bowl uh, mm-hmm. in their bowl game. So they are coming off uh, a three-game losing streak, but at the same time, um, it seems like Coach O is on the hot on the hot seat every game. Uh, I. LSU, that I was reading something today, I think of the, like in the last 10 years of uh, their scholarship quarterbacks, they've recruited on scholarship. Uh, two have actually played, and the rest have either transferred out, medical or uh, what have you. And, of course, they start another transfer uh, this year, Joe Burrow, who uh, did not start for Ohio State. Uh, he lost out to um, – Haskins and the freshman. Uh, so he lost. Tate Martell. Yes, thank you. And Miami has a fifth-year starter. I do like Coach O, big Coach O guy. Uh, go Tigers. But uh, they're similar to Michigan where they just – in neutral sites and road games, the, the hype, they just don't come through against the number. So as much as three and a half is a wonky number, and that would make you want to take LSU. I will also go uh, Miami Hurricanes here. All right. And two and two. And on, two Labor and two. Day, on Labor Day, we have an Elliott special with the Virginia Tech Hokies ranked number 20th against the number 19th ranked Florida State Seminoles with Florida State given a touchdown minus seven. Baron. Uh- uh, I'm going to say Florida State is not covering minus seven. Uh, they got new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Uh, their quarterback's coming back from being hurt against Bama last year. It's his first game back. I, I just don't see him blowing Virginia Tech out. Not that it would have to be a blowout, but beating him by more than a touchdown, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. For the first time, I'm going to agree with the Pizza Baron. I don't think Virginia Tech under Willie Taggart in his first game with DeAndre, DeAndre Francois coming back from a terrible injury. And, I mean, let's think back to the Bama FSU game that opened up the season last year. I mean, it was one versus three, and Florida State laid a damn egg and looked like they couldn't beat, like, Rutgers going through the season. So I, I don't think a whole lot has changed with the new coach. It's still the same personnel. So I like the Hokies in this game. For the first time, I'll agree with both of you. Um, Andrew, I know what you were trying to say. Willie Taggart is the Florida State head coach. Um, Jim Harbaugh's first recruit at Western Kentucky. Uh, I know you misspoke, but I think I know what you meant there. Uh, it's a big number especially with the rookie head coach and – well, not rookie head coach, but uh, his first game at the school, uh, like you said, a kid that hasn't played in a game in a year. Uh, I don't like knee injuries or anything like that. So giving a full touchdown uh, I think will be tough, and I will take the points here. Uh, I think it should be a maybe a four- to six-point game. Uh, so that will take us to our last game. I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is, uh, but we're going to talk about it anyways. It would be 
the number 14th ranked Michigan Wolverines Woo! going to South Bend on Saturday night for a night game on NBC to face the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and Brian Kelly's 12th ranked Purple Face. <laughs> What's the spread, Mikey? Oh, I'm sorry. The line has since moved in the last week. Instead of Michigan giving a point, they will be getting a point. So it's essentially, we'll call it uh, for pick our em. purposes, a pick em. All right. I'll lead it off. Lead us off. We know where our allegiance lies on this podcast. We're pro Harbaugh, pro Michigan, pro everything blue in this entire podcasting arena. Um, I'm going to Michigan. I think Shea Patterson has a solid game showing that the Wolverines with the quarterback is a team that everyone should take seriously. Uh, obviously, they're going to be hurt by the injury to Tariq Black. I thought he was going to have a good season this year after showing signs of brilliance before breaking his foot in the Air Force game. Um, but I think these guys have been under Harbaugh and Don Brown, specifically on defense, for a couple of years now. They know what to expect. They know the schemes. And I think they really come out and stick it to the Irish, who I believe – who I personally believe are overrated at this point in time, um, just in the few games that I saw on NBC when nothing else was on last year. So go blue. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan as well. Um, Michigan's won six of the last nine meetings against Notre Dame. Nice. 69. Nice. 69. Nice. They got uh, nine stars returning on D. They've, I think defense travels. Regardless of what Patterson does, I think that Michigan's got the number three ranked defense, and they're going to shut Notre Dame down in their own house. Uh, they only allowed 271 yards per game last year, and I think that's all we need to know. Like Notre Dame's not going to do anything with the ball. Purple face, he he's fucked. Now, with that said, well, I'll let the expert say what he thinks is going to happen first. But I have some controversy in my own in my own betting game that I need to talk about. Well, with my own betting game, um, I'm already down on the Wolverines heavy here. Um, so I will stay with that and take Michigan. Uh, Kevin, pretty much everything you said uh, is on point. Uh, I mean, flip a coin. It comes up heads when Bush uh, completed a pass. If it's tails, he didn't. Uh, he's, his completion rate is like right around 50%. It's just not good. Um, and it's hard to run a run-pass read option when you don't have the option to pass. So if Don Brown can put seven, eight guys in the box, shut down the run game, close the gaps, and have Wimbush uh, try to beat him over the top, it will be a long game. Uh, doesn't really – I'm not as worried here um, with Michigan's historical um, pass of going on the road and beating a ranked team, or at least covering against a ranked team. But for whatever reason – uh, save 2012 and 2014, uh, Michigan seems to have Notre Dame's number. Uh, I hate Brian Kelly uh, more than any other coach. So uh, I will go with our allegiance here and go Michigan as well. Woo. Two okay. unanimous picks in a row. Back, back to my betting controversy. Here, here's a move I love, and you guys might say you hate it. Are you going to do the reverse jinx yep. right now? 
Yeah, the old the old reverse jinx. I love betting against Michigan, just just because I get like it's kind of a win win scenario for me. Like especially in a pick'em, like taking Notre Dame, like if they lose, at least you win some money. Like I could win a hundred bucks taking Notre Dame, and I I'd be more than happy losing a hundred bucks to see Michigan win. Like there there's no scenario in a pick'em right where, I mean I guess I could push if Notre Dame wins by one, but. But in a pick him here, in a pick him here, you'd be okay, right? Andrew, your thoughts because I have my own. He's brought this up an endless amount of times to me, and unfortunately, in a lot of the big games, he's been right. But that's like it's like flipping a coin, calling it heads, and both sides are heads. Like you're gonna win either way. Either you're gonna be happy, the Wolverines. One, and you lost a couple bucks on the side, or you're dealing with depression because the Wolverines laid an egg and Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is losing his goddamn mind in a press conference, but you won a couple bucks on your Bavada account. So I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a huge fan of the move. I understand the rationale. I just don't, I, I just don't think that it's a logical reverse well, jinx. I think it's just hedging your bets. Yeah, yeah I mean, just... It just makes it hurt a little bit less, okay? Understand. Hey, a lot of emotions happen. This game. I'd be more than happy to lose the money for them to win. That said, they lose. If I win a couple bucks, you know, it hurts a little less. It still hurts. I mean, you got expensive diapers to be I purchasing so here, Sam. That's right. See, I'm an, I'm an all-or-nothing no, all guy. Okay. Not, I'm an all-or-nothing guy. You're not supposed to bet with your heart. Um, you're supposed to go off the numbers, you know, the sharp play. But as many times as that it's hurt me before, uh, I'll go back to the abuse. And if I got Michigan to win, um, if I actually think they're going to win, I will take uh, – either take the points or give the points in their favor. Um, now, that being said, I have gone against them in the past. Uh, but this is not a game that uh, – this is not a this in a rivalry game. It's tough to do because I want our rivals to lose at everything. Um, so just seeing them win wouldn't uh, wouldn't help the financial prowess. I'll put it that way. Gotcha. Well, Mikey, while we got you on the line, we uh, told the listeners earlier how you're a two-time winner of the People's Commission's uh, pool. Which is very impressive. Can you uh, talk us through some of your your schemes? How, how you think when you pick your lineup? Um, yeah, it's pretty simple. Put Brooks Kepka in your lineup in every major. <laughs> uh, the guy's an absolute unit. He has been. Randy Johnson is the original big unit, but I think this guy's just the absolute unit. Um, I'm a big fanboy, and in majors, the guy seems to. Um, the guy seems to win. It's really weird. Speaking of that flipping the coin um, metaphor, he's won three out of the last six majors, so, uh, and he's finished top ten in two out of the other three. So if you, uh, if you want to have a chance to win, having him in there is a, a very good option. Can't hate against that. I don't know that anyone's won the pool without having the winning golfer on their squad. Andrew, can you uh, do you know the uh, the statistics on that? 
No, I don't. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Great, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, no, having the winner helps. That is, uh, that's definitely for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I will say this. I am either, like, first or worst. Um, but uh, I'll take a 50% hit rate or 25% win rate. It has been a, a pretty good ROI um, from one man and one man only. So that's about the only really strategy I have there. And the, the one other thing we wanted to ask you while we got you on the air, uh, you won a pretty big 50-50 pot at, in Las Vegas last year, didn't you? Can you talk us through that a little bit for the for the listeners? That is true. Um, but roughly about uh, two and a half months ago, uh, myself and my father and a couple of buddies, um, we made a bet before the NHL, not a bet, but just an agreement before the NHL playoffs started um, that we would go, we would just go out to Vegas if, the uh, Golden Knights were um, in the Stanley Cup. Now, it's not that I need a reason to go to Vegas, but it definitely made rooting interest um, a lot sweeter. And I kind of got on the Knights bandwagon earlier in the year. And uh, one of my buddies is big, big Ovechkin guy. So we uh, we upped the deal to say that if uh, the Capitals played the Knights in the finals, that we would go. We'd actually go to the game. Uh, whatever game we could go to. So we couldn't go to games one and two. Um, and then we went to, and then obviously games three and four were in DC. So we were like, you know, we're going to go to game five. Uh, this might be the last one with watching up three to one. Um, we're going to go. So we went up until that trip, like, or that up to the game, like 36 hours prior on that trip. Uh, I couldn't win anything. I couldn't hit water if I fell out of a boat, just straight, straight Mikey the mush. Uh, nothing. So I had, I had a couple hundred bucks left. I think I had about 800 bucks left. So I went to the sports book and I put 600 on the Capitals money line and I had 200 left. We're at the game and game's about to start. And this chick's walking around with like this sign. It's got all these, like, it's like, a dot, it's like five numbers for 20 bucks, everything up to 300 numbers for a hundred. Now I thought the biggest myth in the world was at, uh, sporting events that when they did 50-50 that no one actually won because you never see the winners. I just figured that, you know, owners have owners don't build their own stadium, so they need the money, you know, do they just pocket it? Well, third period came around. Uh, I ended up getting the 300 numbers uh, for 100 bucks. The thing looks like a CVS receipt. It's so long, but the third period comes around and like eight minutes to go in the game, uh, the numbers flash up on, on the big screen and I see like three or four of the numbers and just some comment the girl said when she said sold me my ticket I ended up uh, I was like yeah yeah actually I do have those like three four numbers and I couldn't find uh, a replay of the numbers so I went around the concourse like once or twice finally found uh finally found you know the 50 50 station and I'm looking up and I'm like yep I got that one that one it was like it was like a TV show, like when the guy's like looking at the lottery numbers on the screen, like checking them off with a pencil. He gets the last number and sure as hell uh, had the winning number. So I uh, won the 50-50 at game five of the Stanley Cup finals. It was like one of the biggest, I think it was in the top three or four biggest um, 50-50 pots that the Golden Knights had. It was 68340 bucks. That had to make the trip a little sweeter. Yeah, definitely. Um, we were uh, we were gonna go out that night and go uh, to a club, and uh, it ended up being where uh, 
the capsules were going out, so they kind of kind of were uh, a little difficult in letting everyone else in. But uh, yeah, I definitely we went somewhere else. Um, saw marshmallow, and uh, unfortunately, I got stuck with the bill that night, but uh, was able to cover it. Understandable. What what kind of bill are we talking here? Um, that night I believe it was like forty eight. 5200 with tip well you, you could afford it that night right oh yeah well the check came like five weeks later so american express helped me out but uh but Definitely. yeah i got uh, i got stuck with it but i will uh i'll gladly take that trade to spend five to win 68 so you've been on been on a hell of a heater you got 68 there then you got uh, a couple thousand dollar pots in the pc pools yep got a couple uh 20 to one uh plays on Brooks Kepka for the U.S. Open in the PGA. So uh, Exactly. Yeah, so the the mush died in the summer, but now that football's about to start. Uh, the mush is back. Hope, yeah, hopefully it doesn't rear its head. Well, well, we'll see how you fare in your picks this week versus uh, me, me and the PC. It appears that we lost the PC somewhere along the line during this podcast, but uh, we wanted to thank you sincerely for having or coming on the show with us this week, and uh, we look forward to having you back next week when we analyze the college football picks. Sounds good. I'm. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I look forward to doing this weekly. And I'll keep the record. And uh, well, let's hope Andrew has to do something embarrassing about the week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I would love for that to happen. Absolutely. So let's start it off with some fantasy football. Obviously, the. Pizza Baron and I are mediocre fantasy football players at best. Um, we can lead you to a seven and six season. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we can sneak in, um, lose into the, the playoffs, team. and yep, lose to the number the playoffs, one seed by by fifty points because we're playing Mitchell Trubisky and like Peyton Barber because we've run out of quarterbacks and running backs. Everyone else is on the IR, and you know we just mail it in. Yep. We we bet heavy with the running backs. Then we're an ACL tear away from uh, a six and seven season. Mm-hmm. We're on the waiver wire in week two. We're like the Jeff Fishers of um, fantasy football general yep. management. Just yep. hover that's around. A, that's a compliment. Just hover around five hundred. You know, no one really is is pushing you. You're not on the hot seat. You're not on the cool throne. But you you just manage. You, yeah, nobody you, bats an eye. It, it's just. Standard operating procedure for I think if, for Jeffrey. I think if Jeff Fisher was more than three games over five hundred, he he made him throw the game. He would tell him to calm down. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want the attention. And it's not like a Pete Rose situation where he's betting against his own team and he really needs to pay off some some significant debts. But he he just that's where he likes to operate. That's his comfort zone, and it's done tremendously well for him. He's definitely not a spotlight guy. <laughs> He's definitely not a I buy clothes at a designer store guy. He buys everything from the Tommy Bahama outlet off of the highway as he's driving into wherever he's coaching. I think uh, speaking of Tommy Bahama and Jeff Fisher's wardrobe, we need to give a shout out to our sponsor of Hawaiian themed short sleeve button down shirts. Yes, uh, you've been a great sponsor so far. Uh, I didn't know an entire clothing line clothing category may i call it uh is is sponsoring this podcast they've been great um but the the only thing is we're buying our own short sleeve button down hawaiian themed shirts from costco 
So if any of our 12 listeners out there has a connection to a Hawaiian shirt company or owns a Hawaiian shirt company, please reach out to us and we will gladly give you airtime in exchange for more Hawaiian themed short sleeve button down shirts. That's all. We're not, yeah. we're not charging thousands of dollars. You just nope. need to send a medium Hawaiian themed short sleeve button down to Birmingham, Michigan, and then a large to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I'm down from an XL. Thank you. Yep. been working on my girlish figure. You, you have been. You cut out the uh, turbo crust at, as part of your nightcap and yep. just moved yep. to a more thin crust, you know, a I've, game day pizza. I was putting turbo crust in my coffee to try to pack on the LBs. Mm. Mm. That's like when our roommate O'Neill was doing the dancing bear trying to gain the LBs as he was running back number seven on the depth chart uh, during our time at Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. You had a good run though. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he did great. All right. <laughs> enough, enough blabbering from us. So Baron first question, hypothetically speaking, you have the first overall pick in your fantasy football draft. Who are you taking this year and why? Todd Gurley. Um, he's just a powerhouse. The Rams are a great team. He had seven, or I'm sorry, he had 13 touchdowns last year, rushed for 1,300 yards. The guy's just an animal. Uh, I don't think Le'Veon's going to bring it this year. I just had a feeling. I don't really have any uh, significant evidence to back that up. Mm-hmm. Hate Ezekiel Elliott, not taking him. David Johnson's coming back from an injury. Antonio Brown, I don't know. And then Saquon's a rookie, so... I'm not I'm not buying into it. I'm going Todd Gurley, going with the safe pick. I, I think that's a great pick. Um, I also am a big fan of Todd Gurley. I had him in a couple leagues last year, and he did tremendously well to getting me to that elusive seven and six mark. But so just to be a little different, I also want to stay away from Le'Veon Bell. I think he's a great running back, but there's just a lot of controversies surrounding him and the Steelers organization in terms of a long-term contract. Um, I believe they put the franchise tag on him for this year, and there, there's he may not be there for the foreseeable future, so that kind of impacts how he's going to play the effort we're going to see. So I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh, though, and I'm going Antonio Brown with the number one overall pick, in part because um, PPR leagues are – almost the status quo now and getting the amount of touches he gets per game um, with big Ben, just flailing in the pocket and just throwing it up and saying a prayer to the big guy and hoping that Antonio Brown comes down with it. I I just think he's going to have a a monster year. Um, Aside from the fact that Odell Beckham jr. Is now the highest paid wide receiver in the league. I think that gives Antonio Brown some extra incentive to really show his skills this year to then um, overtake Odell Beckham Jr. as the highest paid wide receiver. I agree. I just think that a lot of running backs in this day and age are catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. So even in the PPR format, I think that's the way you got to go. Yeah. Again, you took my first pick. Uh, (laughs) I just wanted to beat you down a little bit. Yeah. I, I needed, I needed to do something a little different, but You know, running down the list, like you said, I'm not a huge fan of Ezekiel Elliott either, not just because he's an Ohio State Buckeye. Um, He'd never graduated, so I'm not going to. 
you know what I hate say about Ezekiel Elliott is after he has like a three yard run for a first down behind a huge offensive line, he does that thing where he's like eating cereal. He's feeding himself. He's yeah. Fe- yeah, he's feeding himself. A great job on that three yard run, bud. Yep. So Ezekiel Elliott, um, I think they were a bit the Dallas Cowboys two years ago with uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, both being rookies. They had a tremendous front line. Um, Des Bryant, uh, Cole Beasley, like, and um, Jason Witten. I thought that offense was great, but they're just a. Fl- I thought it was a flash in the pan. I mean, I just don't think a lot of teams were ready for Dak Pres- Prescott versus Tony Romo that year. Um, they could catch a lot of people off guard. He wasn't making a lot of mistakes, and I think it's because he had like a condensed playbook, and they were just staying really much within what they thought. Uh, he would be comfortable with. And you saw last year that that was not the case. You know, um, their sophomore year was essentially a slump for them. Ezekiel Elliott has this uh, lingering um, suspension that he ended up serving. I don't see the Cowboys winning the NFL or the NFC East with the Eagles in that division. The Eagles have essentially the same team they did. Um, that won the Super Bowl last year, and they have Carson Wentz, who, um, before going down with injury, was an MVP candidate. Then, aside from the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott, you look at some other rankings for who should go number one overall, like the Pete's Barons said, David Johnson, coming off a, like a substantial injury from last year. It's hard to bet on a running back after that kind of rehab. I mean, you look at Adrian Peterson, he, I mean, he's, I don't know, he's a specimen and he is one of the only people to ever come back from that kind of injury to have similar rushing numbers to prior, prior to the injury. So I, it's tough. Number one overall is a tough pick. Uh, I support the Barons. Uh, pick of Todd Gurley, and I'm just going a little off the cuff and going Antonio. Brown. You're going nuts, really. Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, I mean that they, was a that was a filibuster if I've ever seen one. That talked for like three straight minutes. Yeah, at least, but yeah. it's okay. I was in a world of my own. But oh. anyway, moving on, let's uh, go back with our expertise and let's pick our sleeper pick for fantasy football. Who is the guy that's going to come out of his shell, or? possibly someone that isn't normally very good or maybe they're a rookie and you think that they're going to have a hell of a year this year who do you got uh i have two people actually and one might be influenced by hard knocks because i love that show and that's going to be uh david Nijoku, the tight end for big the tight Cle- end yeah the huge tight end for the cleveland browns uh he played at alabama had a pretty good career you know national championship or two under Saban. Um, he was a rookie last year. Obviously we know how much the Browns sucked last year. I think with a serious quarterback and improved offensive line, I think he could be a dangerous, you know, check down option after um, Jarvis Landry, who came to the Browns from the Miami Dolphins. He's, he's a great great wide receiver, and I think people will be spending too much time covering him, and Njoku will be wide open up the middle, kind of like a Jason Witten kind of check down option. Okay. Well, um, I was going to go Jarvis Landry. 
Oh. But I, I feel like he's not really a dark horse or a, a sleeper pick mm-hmm. because he is the feature receiver in Cleveland. But he did have nine touchdowns last year. But, okay, so I'll move on. So I'll just shoot from the hip. Um, I'm seeing maybe Rashad Penny in Seattle, the rookie running back. Um, he rushed for 2,000 yards last year in his season at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Um, he's healthy. I think he's getting his cast off. He's supposed to play this Thursday in uh, the preseason game. And who's in front of him? Chris Carson or something like that. Like It's, I, I, it's someone that should not be the number you don't one running back. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, I know he's a total specimen, but he had some good years in Seattle. Um, I think Penny has the talent to come out and be uh, the Alvin Kamara of last year, Ooh, which nice. is a bold, bold claim, but that's what we do here. We make bold claims. Absolutely. And then, so the other person I had for a sleeper, another Alabama product is Calvin Ridley. So he got drafted by the Falcons. He's playing um, – slot receiver for them because they have uh, obviously Julio Jones. And then God, who's the second, is it Mohamed Sanu? Uh, yep. Anyways, he's playing slot coming off a, like a very good year at Alabama, obviously a national championship did, did fairly well in that game in the prime time, which I believe happened to be at, Atlanta's stadium um, per chance. And I don't know. I, I just think Matt Ryan throws the ball a lot. The Falcons tend to air it out more so than run the ball throughout the game. You got Julio Jones, who's an absolute stud as your wide receiver number one. And I think he can just kind of you know, benefit from the double teams going on on Julio and be open over the middle for nice 10, 12 yard gains. I agree. Another, another guy that could be fun to watch Sony Michelle in new England. Ooh, very nice. nice. Absolute speedster. And I feel like it's tough in new England at being at the running back position. Cause they play so many, but I think that guy's got the talent to really make some stuff happen. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun to watch as well. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully at least one of our four picks is somewhat accurate. So people actually still listen to us more than uh, just people in their parents' basement in Topeka. Yep. Uh, it'd be really nice to increase our listeners by, you know, three or four. That'd be really great. Um, one, one person I wanted to ask about is Carrion Johnson, who is coming into a revamped Detroit Lions organization under Matt Patricia. Do you think he takes over the number one running back spot this year? What kind of predictions do you have for him? Uh, yeah, I think he takes over. Definitely. I mean, I'm, Amir Abdullah, the guy can't hold on to the ball. He's injury prone. Then he, I mean, you got Theo Riddick, but he can't really rush. He just, you know, catches passes out of the backfield. Um, I think he, I think Johnson's the starter. I don't think he's going to make that much noise because their offensive line is still just bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watched the preseason game last week against the Buccaneers. They ended up winning somehow. I mean, I turned it off and the third quarter I think they were down 27 to 13 or something like that it was just awful it was the worst pillow fight you've ever seen uh couldn't get anything going Stafford had pressure on him the whole time I just I don't know I don't see 
any run presence yet again, no matter who they bring in until they revamp that offensive line completely. I agree with that assessment. The only person I wanted to throw into the mix is LeGarrette Blunt uh, was signed in free agency. So good point. He can be just a, a touchdown uh, vulture, as they say in the biz, and get those yeah, one yard runs. We don't we don't rush for touchdowns in Detroit. Yeah, well, maybe this year's different. But they gave. Did you see during the Bucks game that they gave up the hundred and nine? Um, it it was like a sixty-two yard field goal at the end of the game. At the end of the first half, Prater leaves it short, and the Bucks they ran it, it for a touchdown. Yep. Yeah, one hundred nine yards, right? Yep, yep. Classic Lions. Same old Lions. S O L, as they say on the ticket up here. Ninety-seven-one. Hey, if you want to sponsor us too, we support you. Yeah, I saw a tweet up, today that my father-in-law sent me. Uh, you know how they have the WCF on their jersey for William Clay Ford? Yep. That it should be changed to WTF because of how piss poor that performance was last week, even though they won. Super clever. I really appreciate that. Nothing Loved like, it. Nothing like Lions fans. Exactly. All right, let's transition over to the Dell Technologies Championship that we have this weekend. Obviously... <laughs> Uh, Bryson DeChambeau wins in convincing fashion last week at the Northern Trust. Um, tough. I mean, I not a fan of Bryson, but in a previous podcast, I did say that I believe that he would make the Ryder Cup team, and I thought he would be good for Team USA in terms of patriotism, um, enthusiasm, and just grit to win. So. While I was not rooting for him on Sunday, I'm more of a Tony Finau guy. Uh, he did play tremendously well, dealt with the pressure, shoots a final round, two under, two win by four strokes. Um, obviously, he was able to overcome that mental breakdown on the range <laughs> at the British Open yep. a couple months ago. Um, he, he looks very good. And that puts him into number one in the FedEx Cup standings currently leading into the Dell Technologies Championship. So, Baron, yeah, what do you see I, for this weekend? I don't necessarily have a huge problem with Bryson. I, I think you are just committing to hating him because you said it in a, in a previous podcast. Um, I, like you said, the guy does have grit. He does some unlikable things. Like, he, he lost in Europe, and he kind of did the little – bitch out handshake i forget who won that tournament but he was getting a lot of scrutiny for that he he just like has the passion he he owns it and he thinks about it a little bit differently i he's an exciting character to add to golf whether you like him or you hate him we'll just say that with that said he's not going to win the fedex cup he's too inconsistent i know he he does have what three wins this year uh over the last year yeah over the last year three wins i know he won the memorial what was the first tournament he won? I believe it was the John Deere. Okay, John Deere Memorial. Then he wins. Uh, Northern well, I'm Trust. drawing an absolute blank. There you go. Northern Trust. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's he's just not going to get it done, though. He, he's going to completely lay an egg this week, and uh, I'm sure you're going to love it. Plus, he's <laughs> also dating an absolute plastic, like, huge fake boobs, like, Instagram model, and I kind of hate him for that. Hey, it's 2016, so you can do whatever you want, and we right. support him for that. Love You're is right. love, but yes, she looks interesting 
on Instagram to say the least. So yeah, she has a large pet pig. I just wanted to add that in. It's kind of weird. That is incredibly weird. So all right. With that said, I'll go over. So the best the odds for the Dell Technologies we have DJ leading the pack. He's seventeen to two. JT is ten to one. Kepka's twelve to one. Uh, Tiger Woods, he has finished top ten in five of his last nine starts at TPC Boston. He has got a whopping driving accuracy of fifty six percent this Ooh. year. Greens and regulation sixty seven percent. I think those are the makings of a champion. His last win, the two thousand nine BMW. But I think that a lot of people are thinking Tiger is going to make a run this week. He had his first bogey-free round last week. I, what did he shoot? Four under for the tournament, tied 40th, something like that. He fell to 25th in the FedEx Cup. I just, like, I can't let go of hope. I can't do it. So you're officially going with Tiger Woods victorious. At I'm TPC going with Tiger Boston. Woods to win. He's winning the Dell Technologies, Tiger Woods. Excellent pick. Obviously, we're a huge pro Tiger podcast, so I endorse that with all of my heart. Um, that, that was my heart. That was my heart pick. Yeah. Uh, just again, looking at the lines that we have this week, um, Justin Thomas is the defending champion at uh, the Dell Technologies Championship at TPC Boston. So it's hard to pick against a guy that had success there last year in similar circumstances but i'm gonna go a bit down the list i my pick for the winner at dell technologies open is going to be hideki matsuyama um he's at 33 to 1 um a long shot in terms of you know people that realistically have a chance to win i think when he plays well he's Obviously, he's one of the best golfers in the world currently. I think when he plays well and can roll the ball, he's tremendously difficult to beat. And I think he's going to find a bit of a bit of a you know what's the word I'm looking. He's going to find his mojo. He's mojo. He's going to get on a bit of a heater and just kind of ride it through and end up hoisting the trophy on Sunday. So, I mean, I wanted to pick with my heart and pick Tony Finau. I love that guy ever since he was on big break with his brother Gipper in like 2007. Um, Drives the ball straight, very accurate with his irons, putts well, had a very good showing last weekend. I just didn't want to be a broken record and pick the same guy. Obviously, if Ricky was in – in the uh, field this week, I would pick him. You'd, you'd have to take him. Yeah. I mean, he would challenge my friendship with him if I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like Finau, though, because he doesn't have any wins this year, but he's been top 10, I think, nine times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we he's, look like, at He's the... always right there knocking on the door, and I just I think somebody that hasn't won this year is going to get off the schneid this week. Um, another guy that you can look out for i know you picked him last week tommy fleetwood yep. he's 33 to 1 also has zero wins but he's always knocking on the door mm-hmm. my head says one of those guys is gonna do it heart obviously tiger i think he's feeling good he changed the shaft on his driver but you know we'll see mm-hmm. i do want to point out that tony finau is the only person in the top 10 of the fedex cup standings currently without a win he sits at fourth 
And that just goes to show he's always at the top of leaderboards, just getting those FedEx Cup points. He's not relying on a win to carry him through. He's consistent. Very consistent. And then another person I wanted to bring up, uh, well, another two people, and that's uh, Mark Leishman and Chez Reavy. They're paired with Tiger the first two rounds. They tee off at 851 tomorrow. Hmm. Clearly someone has that. A number 10. (laughs) Recorded on his DVR. Are, yep. are you more of like a, a DVR or TiVo guy? TiVo. Mm, nice. Someone's got to keep, you know, right. paying the bills over at TiVo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, who, who still uses TiVo? I, I have no idea. Do they even exist? I'm going to Google um, it right now. So to avoid another awkward silence. Yeah, TiVo still Yeah, TiVo still exists. Okay, let's, All right. let's go over some of the pairings that we got. All right. So we got uh you said Ches Reevy, Leishman, Tiger TF at 8:51, Speeth also tees off on number 1 at 8:51. Oh, that's someone who we haven't talked about, Speeth. Do you think he gets it together and wins one of these um FedEx Cup tournaments at the end of the year or is it just like a lost year for him? I think he's having a David Duval absolute mental pretzel breakdown of a year that's that was a wild <laughs> call out but that's <laughs> that's, that's a lot of guilt to put on one guy <laughs> i mean think about it just, from duvall's standpoint he, he goes from being number one in the world winning the 99 open championship overthrowing tiger woods as number one golfer in the year in the world and then forgets how to play golf has some injuries that kind of hinder his ability to come back um, to peak condition. And granted, he's a, he's a very solid commentator on the golf channel. Yeah. And I enjoy listening to him because he speaks intelligently and actually knows like what these guys are feeling in certain situations. Cause he's been there, but man, I thought he had a lot more wins in the bag. I know. He also had like the best sunglass tan. Oh, those Oakley's on the whole tour, oh. which is to be appreciated. He was great. But yeah, so we had speed. Uh, I, we got JT, Shambo, and DJT off at 903. That'll be a fun group to watch. Mm-hmm. We got Webb Simpson, who's 40 to 1 tomorrow or this weekend. I think he's also a good pick. There's, I mean, it's all good golfers. You could pick anyone and they have a shot. Uh, Fino, Kepka, and I, I don't know why I can't figure. Oh, John Ra, maybe? 128. Then we got Patrick Reed and Phil Tioff at 140 with uh, Patrick Tanley. So we've got some really good groups going out. It should be a fun weekend if you can get away from college football to watch some golf. But it's, it's going to be tough. There's a lot of good college football games this weekend. So mm-hmm. I, I do want to point out that Rory has uh, won this event two times and most recently in 2016. So let's not sleep on the Roar Dog. Get a little. Don't sleep on them. Don't sleep. Stay woke, as they say in the streets. Stay woke. I've kind of like noticed a trend with with a lot of these good golfers. Like we were we were talking, Spieth had that like hell of a year in what 2015, and he he kind of fell off the next year. Just like he had that meltdown at the Masters, then he had a tough year, but then he came back and won the British Open last year. Mm-hmm. J- Jason Day had a really good year where he won the FedEx Cup, right? Did he win the FedEx Cup? No, I think he, he did. didn't. Or no, he won the PGA. He won the right? PGA. Yeah, in okay. 2015. 
yeah, he was like dominant, got to number one in the world, then he kind of fell off, and then you haven't really heard anything from heard anything from him till this year. Uh, I just, you think JT and Kepka are going to be able to avoid that, or you think they're going to kind of like fall back into the shuffle a little bit? Um, it's a great question. Out of the two, it, it's going to sound weird saying it because Brooks Kepka. Kepka has three major championships, you know, two U.S. Opens and a PGA, but he only has one PGA Tour win outside of a major. And yes, I I just think JT has so much. How do I say this? I think JT is the better long-term golfer. I think right now Brooks Kepka relies a lot on fitness and the ability to hit the long straight ball. And that when he loses that, he he is like such a a violent swing, like a such a powerful swing that I don't think he's going to be able to adapt when he starts to, you know, lose a step or two, per se. You think he could throw throw his back out like Tiger? Yes, I I just think yeah, I just think he's Brooks on, he's on the juice. I yeah, think. well, I I didn't say that. <laughs> Someone on the podcast did, but well, I'm just saying Brooks. The way he plays, how he trains, all that kind of stuff, it sets up more for an injury that would inhibit him from winning long-term. And I think Justin Thomas is just like a golfer through and through, and he's not going to let anything stand in his way. I hope you're right. It's, it's hard to stay on top in the PGA nowadays. Uh, I hope JT can prove us wrong and stay up there. Well, prove me wrong. Because it seems like everyone gets to the top, then they fall back. Mm-hmm. And then the next guy takes over and falls back. Yep. But again, being a pro Tiger podcast, just what he did was so great back in, you know, the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, Like you said in the past, no one has done more for their sport than Tiger Woods has. And I completely agree with that statement. You pretty much, like, didn't even, like – back me though when i said it initially so i'm well, still kind of hurt by that well i mean it came out of left field i guess yeah i was a bit taken aback i wasn't ready to hear it but the more and more i think about it uh i mean i'm just thinking back to the pga championship just getting goosebumps when he drains birdie after birdie from god knows where on sunday to put himself into contention that was just so awesome and it reminded me of those years of watching him just absolutely dominate. And then you think about the popularity that's brought to the game. Like the guys, the guys are making so much more money because golf is so much more popular because of Tiger Woods. So it's like inception. Yeah. He's the reason that I try to shoot 89 (laughs) once a week. (laughs) At least you're honest with yourself. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, those are our topics for today. We're still on Panda Watch 2018. Hope this panda jerk comes out soon or else Kelly will kill the pizza baron for <laughs> remaining She will pregnant. literally rip my face literally off. Literally rip your face off. This ends our episode six, which is the sixth edition of a podcast without a rehearsal. Just a couple of dudes being dudes. No rehearsal. Listen, everybody. Ling Wong, the panda, is giving birth. <laughs> <laughs>